Hey, hi, hello there. Long time no see? Here? Now, ah, whatever. Uh, this is Zach Hagenbusher, one half of the New Jedi Archives. I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. I know that it's been a few months. We've been on a hiatus, and that hiatus was not entirely planned. So I really do apologize for being away for so long. Uh, we wound up running into a lot of conflicts, uh, whether it be in our lives or elsewise, and we just were not able to get together and not able to really focus on the podcast. Even if we had been able to get together to record, we would not have been able to produce something that's on the level with what we think that you expect. So I really do apologize for being gone for so long, but we are back and hopefully we'll be better than ever. This is an episode that we recorded all the way back in February at Fire and Ice 2019 in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. It was the good, the bad, and the ugly of the original trilogy. Now, I'm going to be flat-out honest with you here. This was a really tough episode to produce because it's very hard to not only find bad things about the original trilogy, a series of films that we most of us Star Wars fans hold very dear, but it was also a challenge to find things that were ugly, things that were worse than bad. And of course, that's the challenge that we made for ourselves. Hopefully it gives you something to think about, and hopefully it's not too bad. <laughs> uh, if you don't like it, that's fine, we understand. But we will be back with a new episode in two weeks, brand new, on the life and times of Anakin Skywalker, and whether or not... He deserves to be highlighted in such a way in marketing, in storytelling, or is he a completely irredeemable character? We'll be back with that in two weeks. Until then, enjoy the show. The following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCasts.com. The Force is strong with us, and we hope it is strong with you. Welcome to another edition of the New Jedi Archives with Zach Hagenbusher and Ben Schultz. Why, hello, Zach. Hello, Ben. Where are we, Zach? Are you are you drunk again, Ben? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. It was just blue milk, I promise. <laughs> we are at Fire and Ice 2019 in beautiful, scenic Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Balmy Manitowoc. Near the shores of Lake Michigan. Yeah, that sounds right. That tracks. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, how was your uh, journey? Uh, much shorter than yours. That's true. I, but we were. I, I was passing through Green Bay. As I was leaving As my you house. were leaving Green Bay. So we got here at about the same time, and that was not on purpose. Uh, well, I want to welcome everybody to uh, this episode live from Fire and Ice. Uh, we are on GNCast.com, the Galactic Netcasts website. We're also on Spreaker.com, the original home of this podcast. You can download it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And we want you to share this with your Star Wars-loving friends, if you'd be so kind, because that's the only way that we get to have fun, right? Yeah, and then Zach will quit hitting me and telling me that I need to drive up listenership. Well, I, I don't do that, but you don't do a lot of promotion of the show. I see you post on Facebook a lot, but it's very rarely about the show, Ben. Well, that's because I don't want all of my other Facebook shenanigans to negatively affect your podcast. Zach. Well, you're already on the show, and it's your podcast, too. So. I know, I know. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Star Wars. That's what we're here to do. Uh, last time, we did the first installment of this Good, Bad, Ugly series talking about films that we have both acknowledged are some of the most impactful in our lives ever, but they're not perfect. No. So we need to acknowledge that in a way that I think uh, 
so many are doing with the newer films, right? They, they, they want to prop, especially the films that we're going to talk about today, up. They want to prop them up as these shining beacons of storytelling, these shining beacons of sci-fi, their, their childhood, right? Oh, man, I remember all of these things. Well, nostalgia is a powerful drug. Right, I'm going to, to paraphrase BoJack Horseman, when you're looking at something through rose-colored glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. Exactly. Uh, and that is what we're going to try to do today. We're going to try and take off those rose-colored glasses, as difficult as it may be, and take a look, a hard look, at the films that have uh, inspired generations of fans. The Star Wars original trilogy, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. All right, who gets to start the this Jedi. time? <laughs> huh? Who gets to start this time? Uh, well, you started last time. Okay, so you get a good. So I think I'll start this time. A good. <laughs> this is really hard. It's a lot harder than I thought it would be. It's hard to come up with the bad things about these films. No, it's not. I would say it's almost even harder to come up with, like, limited scope good things, right? The characterization and the explanation of the Force from Yoda is so important. It lays down so much groundwork, and it's done with, with a lot of grace, a lot of dignity, a lot of... It's real deep philosophy, which is not, I don't think, something that you would expect from a blockbuster film from the 80s. Okay. Um, which, is, which is what Empire was. Um, I, I love it, obviously. I mean, I, it, it really breaks down the force you know as as much as it has become so complicated right the ideas of the force have oh believe so me that was one of my uglies last time remember and this is why because this was so good that messing with it made it bad you know what i mean yeah i know what you mean so like the ideas of the force even dave filoni now in interviews about rebels he's like when people ask me all these questions about the force i'm like Everything that you need to know about the Force is in is in Empire Strikes Back. Like Yoda explains it. That's what the Force is. Like and and it's it's uh, brilliant uh, in ways that I, I really can't do justice with words. So that that would be my good. Okay, that's your good. My bad. I don't know if you can fault uh, them for this because they they are old, but. All sci-fi, and this is science fantasy, obviously, but all sci-fi attempts to make predictions about what a future would look like. And uh, well, this isn't the future. No, this is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Right. But but they don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> so I'm going to say that George's inability to predict what our technology would look like, so that the technology of the movies appeared futuristic is pretty bad because they have transmissions they can transmit data unless it's apparently i'm gonna refute that i mean that's your bad you're the one who picked it i can't i can't make you not pick it but i will say that i i think that that's more just a, a flavor text of the world that we're seeing it's obviously not our galaxy, so our rules don't apply to it. Well, no, but but they do use transmissions to transmit data. Well, sure, but they don't at the same time. They they have like the 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 Death Star plans are on a physical media. Yeah, they the guy with the little sperm helmet runs through with the disc. Right. Well, that that's not in. This film, I, I understand that, but it, it we see her slide the thing into R two. Sure, um, that he didn't predict that we would be able to transmit data with Wi Fi makes it dated, and I think that's a bad. I think that dates it. Okay, I think that that's more of a security thing than anything. Mm. You know, you, the idea that you wouldn't want the Empire to intercept. You such mean like they did? They had to? Well, they intercepted that something was being transmitted. But you you wouldn't want... Exactly. If you were to transmit the data For wirelessly one. or over over the, um, the holonet, which is the Star right. Wars equivalent of the internet. If you were to transmit that data over the holonet, 
it could be traced back, and also it would reveal the location of the rebel base, which was already revealed by them bringing R2 to the, the base to begin with, but they, they couldn't have predicted, well, Leia predicted that, but overall they couldn't have I'm, predicted I'm just that. saying there's a lot of technology in Star Wars that, um, I'll give you a different example, the uh, displays, the targeting displays. Yeah, they look like Atari games. Right, but... They look like the Atari games that were out at the time the movie was out. Right. George should have predicted if they had fashion light travel, their targeting displays would be better. And ugly. Uh, I think that the the treatment of Han Solo and Princess Leia's arcs and characters in Return of the Jedi is ugly. After Empire really brought those characters a new, a fresh perspective, a an interesting romance, all of these different facets. And we, we followed them through half the movie. Right. You know, the movie's as much about them as it is about Luke. Return of the Jedi is just very, is very Luke-centric. Luke, Darth Vader, Emperor, much like The Last Jedi, is very Rey, Kylo, Snoke-centric. You know, the other characters almost seem as if, oh, and by the way, we have these other guys too. Right. I, I feel like they could have done a much better job of incorporating... You know, you had the beginning with Han kind of wrapping up his story with Jabba, but they... I feel like there was a better way to serve them. You know, like, oh, Leia becomes princess of the Ewoks. Like, what's up with that? Seems strange to me. I agree. Um, if you're going to complain about plot devices in the new films like that, I mean... It's just as fair to criticize the old films for it, so I would say that that is an ugly. Okay, so my turn for a good. Yep. I am going to say, uh, for as bad as some of the dialogue in the prequels are, there are a lot of memorable lines in the original trilogy. Lines that my family and I use regularly, uh, you know, do, do, uh, do or do not, there is no try. But that's... That's memorable for a good reason, not right. a bad no, reason. No, no, I'm, I'm doing a good. Oh, this it's is my good. turn. I'm a good. Oh, I hear I am thinking it was a bad or whatever. No, that no, is good. You just of course. did an ugly. I'm doing a good. Of course, yes. So uh, I yes. think those those lines, uh, they've just permeated popular culture. Right. Instead of I hate sand, which is like permeated right. popular culture as a bad thing. Right. So my wife sometimes says I love you, and I just reply, I know. Sure. And she gets mad at me. Or I get mad at my kids and I refer to them as scruffy-looking nerf herders. You know what I mean? It's They're just lines that stick. And maybe it's because it's the movies I grew up with. The movies that everybody grew up with. But the, the, the lines just seem so much more memorable than I killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the men. Or, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. <laughs> I have the high ground. Yeah, I have the high ground. Again, a line that permeates because of its ineptitude. Right, right. So I think that it has, these movies have lines that are memorable for the right reasons. Okay. A bad. Um, speaking of ineptitude, I think that the ineptitude overall of the Galactic Empire, this fantastic achievement of Sheev Palpatine. I mean, granted, it's a it's supposed to be a morality tale, evil's supposed to lose, and all these other things, but I think that the Empire was far too stupid for their own good. For being a, a an all-powerful galactic organization, they were either just really, really, really into the idea that they would never, ever lose power for any reason, or they were dumb. Or a combination of both. Of both. I mean, Luke says as much in Return of the Jedi, your overconfidence is your weakness. Well, and that... I, I think that, that you could use that to explain the ineptitude of the Empire for most of it, but I, I think from a an outside perspective, if you're looking at this organization that's supposed to be threatening, the stormtroopers never shoot anybody. They right. Never, they never hit. But, um, but they fire with such precision. Yes, yeah, such precision. Uh, the They leave their super weapons... Uh, a with a horribly flawed weakness um, their their rank and file 
And granted, they're rank and file, but they don't seem to be particularly well trained. You know, it, it, their ships, even in the lore of the original trilogy, their ships are cheap. They right. don't, they don't have hyperdrive. They don't have shielding. They're just like metal balls with guns on them. Well, and and it, it, that's one of those things that I would even argue goes from bad to ugly when you take into consideration the prequels. That's not something that the prequels make better. No, they they make it worse. No, they 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 expose that flaw even more. So yeah, I, I while I get that these are supposed to be simple, relatively simple films, we have turned them into something that is but, not simple. But I don't think you can say they're supposed to be relatively simple films. They were always intended to be a morality play. Sure. And the, and morality is not simple. And if you think it is, you're an idiot. Yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, I get to do an ugly, and that was not my ugly. And I am going to say the treatment of women in the original trilogy. Now, Ooh. I understand we've got Mom Mothma and we have Leia, who are very powerful ladies in the uh, rebellion. rebellion. The most powerful. Right. But they're really it. I mean, that's really it. Yeah. In the original trilogy, right. yeah. In the original trilogy, as it stood, almost everybody else has a penis. They didn't even let B. Arthur reprise her role as the barkeep. Yeah, come on, where's Akmina? Right, I loved her. <laughs> she was my friend. Come on, B. Uh, so anyway, I, I think that that's uh, that was pretty bad, um, and I think that it. I think it's ugly. I think it's ugly the way they did it, especially considering this is supposed to be a futuristic society where there is a lot more equality. I mean, Star Trek did it better, and that was yeah. before this. I, I was just about to defend it a little bit by saying, well, in movies at the time, it wasn't really commonplace, and I can understand why they wouldn't have gone that way. And by the way, this is not a futuristic... You keep bringing up I, this idea no, of but futuristic it, but society. It, it's, it's, not, it's not in our future, but it is, that's why I keep saying futuristic and not future. Because it is futuristic. Their technology level is beyond ours. It is. In, in some ways, yes, but in other ways, no. As, as you pointed out. Right. But, but technology is going to advance at a certain rate, in a certain way. So we may never get hover cars. You know, we're not going to get hover cars. But once you have wireless transmission of data, it exists. You know, and there are a yeah. lot of other things that came out that did a good job of the, of dealing with these issues and Star Wars did not. Okay. And women in positions of power is one of them. They had women in positions of power, but they did not have women well represented in society. And the women who were in positions of power, one of them was born into it and the other one we don't know how she got there. Sure. I mean, we do now, but we had no reason, we didn't understand what mom how mom Mothma took her position before okay a good I think the story of Han Solo while it's dropped off in Return of the Jedi considerably I think that the story of his um, which we now have a little more context in of, of but the original trilogy story of Han Solo from you know scoundrel on the on the fringes who's just given these folks a ride to General Solo and Return of the Jedi is is really well done. Uh, I think that his his character arc is probably probably the most well developed of any of the three main heroes in the original trilogy, and I am including Luke in that for reasons that I'll get into later. I may or may not agree with you. Let me ask you one question. Yeah. And this is going to tease something that I'm going to complain about later when I get a turn. <laughs> okay. What release are you referring to, Zach? Any of them. Because I, I, I am of the opinion that it does not matter. In fact, it almost helps that Han... Oh, God, now you're making my head hurt. I, I know. That Han and Greedo shot simultaneously. Because there has to be... Can you hear, can you hear me rolling my eyes right now? Yeah, I, I can. <laughs> and I can also see you rolling your eyes right now. Right. I, I just want sure the listeners know that I'm I get rolling it, my whatever. eyes. Whatever. Everybody, everybody feels this way. Not everybody, but there's a vast, vast majority, it seems, of people that are... They think that the... Oh, hunch up first. Hey, blah, don't blah, blah, be blah, messing blah. with my ugly. I get an ugly coming yeah, up I, and around. I know, Stop. I know. But I'm, I'm just saying 
it never mattered that much to me. So I, I would take either version, even though it, because I don't feel like the versions are particularly different from each other. Either way, you have a guy who starts out from a very selfish perspective and comes around at the end. I, I disagree that he starts in itself from a selfish perspective in the original. Because um, he's just cold-blooded. One of them is a cold-blooded murderer and one is self-defense. But either way... Because they happens. don't shoot simultaneously. It's either Han shot first or Greedo shot first. That's not entirely true. In the Blu-ray and digital releases, it's just about simultaneous. Not just about. The blaster bolt hits next to Han before Han shoots. I, dis- no, I don't think so. Well, we'll have to watch it after this. Yeah. I get a, a, I get a bad You get now. a bad. Uh, I'm going to go with treatment of droids. I've complained about this before on several occasions, but the we don't serve their kind here in the original was one of the first things even as a young kid I was like what the hell is a droid going to drink in a bar anyway and that's just the beginning right and it only gets worse from there okay do you, do you want to elaborate or is no, that where you I, I think I've spent enough airtime complaining yeah. about this particular topic I yeah, just true. want to point it out and ugly I get it I get it that she was dealing with some personal demons I, I I don't want to downplay that at all. I think that Carrie Fisher's performance as Princess Leia as Leia Organa. I keep I hate using that term Princess Leia because she's not. I, that, she is. That's what they call her in A New Hope, but that's one of how many films. I mean, she's, she's an Alderanian princess. You can't take that away from her. Okay, okay. When as Leia in Return of the Jedi is particularly uninspired. Okay. I think that uh, it it doesn't come across as passionate. It doesn't come across as really anything. It's it's just lukewarm. It's bad, even. Uh, and I think that compared to the other two films, which she did much better in, it's a, a mark on on the record of what should be remembered as one of the greatest characters. In, I guess if you can call this science fiction, science which, fantasy, but go science ahead. fantasy, right? I mean, it, it in pop culture, I think that her performance in Return of the Jedi is not good. Would okay. you Would you agree with me? Yeah. Okay. So what am I? I'm on a good now. You're on a good. I'm on a good. I am going to go with uh, iconic ship design. Okay. And I'm going to say that because if you are looking at a planet. Let's say you're getting a bird's eye view of a planet or a satellite's eye view of a planet. And all of a sudden, a triangular shadow sweeps across the surface of that planet. We all assume that's an Imperial Star Destroyer. Even if we're not watching a Star Wars movie, right? our first thought is Imperial Star Destroyer. We all recognize the silhouette of the Millennium Falcon. X-Wings are iconic, even though they're misnamed. Right. Same thing with Y-Wings really bothers me because those aren't Arabish letters, so why? But <laughs> True. True. But um, th- these are our, our iconic ship designs that we... Uh, and they did such a good do- job displaying them. And I'm only bringing this up. I know it's a little bit of the prequels, but I'm bringing it up to talk about the good in the original. Um, the ships look lived in. Where in the prequels, they didn't. Everything looked fresh off the showroom. Right. And so I think that's one of the things they did an excellent job with in this movie. Agreed. A bad. And this is going to seem heretical to a lot of people. Okay. Um, I don't think that Luke Skywalker is a particularly well-developed hero in the original trilogy. Um, I think that he blindly goes along with a lot of things, purely out of his naivete, so to speak. In Return of the Jedi, he does come around. And, right, he's a badass in Return. He's, he's a badass, and most of his decisions, I would say, are sound in that film. But in A New Hope, and then in Empire, I mean, granted, he's still, like, picking up the ropes or whatever, you know, learning. He's an adult. Tell him to strap it on. Right, he's he's an adult who has entered himself into this conflict willingly. Right, Wormy is more than 20 years old. Right, so... 
I'm supposed to be cheering for him. He's supposed to be the hero of the galaxy. Uh, and granted, there's a little bit of an everyman feel to it. I could see someone defending this for sure. But the idea that um, he's he's led, I wouldn't say led astray, but he allows himself to be manipulated. He allows himself to be led by Obi-Wan and Yoda to a conclusion that is not logical. Well, I, I think I, I'm going to contradict he, you a little bit. And he bit. does go back on it. He does go back on it eventually, but it, it to me... Does he? Yeah, he does. I'm I'm going to somewhat disagree with you on this okay. point. Um, I think in A New Hope, Luke is that blank stand-in for all of us to get us as the viewer into the into the movie. Sure, which, which I'm which okay Which he has with. to be. But I don't think he's letting himself be manipulated so much as he's... He doesn't want to be there anyway. So he's choosing to go along with stuff that he wants to and, and who doesn't who doesn't want to feel special? Who doesn't want to be a hero? Well, who everybody doesn't wants dream to be a hero. of holding a lightsaber. You can't tell me as a little kid if Alec Guinness had walked up to you and said, "That's those aren't your real parents. Your real dad wasn't whatever your dad did. He was a great Jedi Knight, and the Force is strong with you, and here's his lightsaber, and but I will teach you. he's not a little kid. He's not a little kid. Well, he I, is. He's emotionally a child. But. but everybody remembers Luke Skywalker as this dude without flaw, right? Everybody wanted Luke Skywalker to come out in the in the sequel trilogy and be this absolute badass and all of these things. And I don't I don't think that he is all those things, which personally I like and I like how they've explained it since then. But in the in the context of the original trilogy, where Luke Skywalker is supposed to be the arch the archetypical hero character i don't i don't think that he embodies that vision well see i i think the problem is he does embody that and the archetypical hero is not very engaging okay that's the problem but i do think he embodies the archetype of the hero going on his journey where is al when you need him he's been waiting for years for us to talk about this i know right uh and now he's not here we're doing it um but so I disagree with you on that, but that's okay. It's your bad. Okay. Um, and you know what? People are probably going to be like, "What the fuck is this dude thinking?" But uh, I, I, I feel like if I've got to come up with, it's hard enough to come up with bad or ugly things about these movies. That that stands out to me as something that I've always thought is a little strange. You know, I, again, I, I'm much more into the idea of Han and Leia as heroic characters than Luke as a heroic character. Now, I am going to go for my ugly, and bear with me, because this is a little bit of an in-depth ugly. Is it what I think it is? Well, it's bigger than that. And it is the changes that are made to the story uh, throughout the life of those movies. Okay. So, um, yes, one of the most obvious errors is Han shot first versus Greedo shot first. And, yes, that one annoys me because I think it changes Han's character from a cold-blooded killer to a eh, selfish-ish opportunist. Um, and so I think that it, it raises his starting point several steps off the bottom, and it, it's a more compelling story otherwise. But it's just not that. That's not oh, oh, the only it. We also get Han stepping on Jabba's tail in a, on Tatooine and living... Yeah, um, and and then it goes beyond that when I'm thinking about this because it also goes with the story in Empire not being actually what George thought it was going to be when he made A New Hope, which is he didn't think he was going to be making Empire, um, or not realizing that Luke and Leia were going to be brother and sister when he had them make out in the beginning of Empire. You know, these are changes to the story that have been made after we've released a movie and that part of it has become canon and I think that the overall uh, movies, the overall story suffers for those tinkerings after the fact. Once it was on film, once it was released it was canon and just like I have to accept canon I think George should have had to accept canon too and he didn't and he tinkered with it and fucked around and I think the overall story suffers for him doing that. 
And okay. those are just the things I can think of off the top of my head, but there are more. We can nitpick it if you want. Okay. I, I That's have, ugly. Sure. <laughs> I, I will... It's your ugly. I'll, I'll agree with you on a, a certain level. I do think... I think they're his movies. He made them. If he wants to do that, he can. I don't think he can do that. I don't think they're his movies anymore. And... Uh, as as evidence of well, that. Well, they're not his movies anymore. Well, no, no, but even <laughs> even before even before Disney bought them, they weren't his movies. And as evidence for that, as evidence for the fact that Star Wars didn't belong to George Lucas once the movies were released, I am going to cite the testimony of one George Lucas before Congress saying that you shouldn't technicolor black and white movies because once they are released, they are the property of the viewers and it's no longer held by the person who owns the rights and licenses to them. They're property of all of us. And if that applies to other people, damn it, it has to apply to you too. So I cite George Lucas and refuting George Lucas. Yeah, that's fair enough. The good. Uh, this is an obvious one. James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. Oh yeah, right. That might even be a great. <laughs> it is a great. It is a great. It's not just good, but um, the the foresight, right? I mean, when they were making the film, the or the first one, everybody on set didn't. They had no idea that it was going to turn out the way it did. In in a lot of respects, and one of those ways was they thought, wait, so. Darth Vader is David Prowse. He's this have you, British you, guy. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard his delivery of the that lines on set. would not be as scary. Not even close. Um, but they had the foresight to find another person to do the voice and to make it this, um, you know, a, a, a very menacing presence immediately. Uh, and much like the way that you described Darth Maul back, you know, when we did the prequel episode. Um, I think that Obviously, it was executed to perfection. It's it's a voice that you will never, ever forget for a lot of different reasons. I have been a proponent of this idea for a long time because, uh, uh, you know, James is getting older. He will no longer be with us in the next few years, probably. I mean, who knows? He, he could live until he's 100, but even then, you know, that's still 20 years away. Um, I think you need to get him in the recording booth now. Get him to say every word yes, that exists yes, in the re language. Record anything that you could ever imagine Darth Vader saying at any point in time. Give him a large sum of money for it. <laughs> and then keep that audio and use it whenever you have to. Right. Just just get the whole the quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog so that you can string everything <laughs> the, together. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog. <laughs> get all those phrases that you can then parse to make new phrases and words or just lines that you could imagine that he might say in the future just anything because i once he's gone we lose that piece of this lore forever luke you are grounded <laughs> even though darth vader may not appear on film ever again but i i feel like you have to take precautions and we live in an age when i don't feel like that's a, a an unfair request do it just do it do it. Do it. All right, so now I got a bad, huh? Yep. I'm actually going to go with uh, world building. It's pretty bad. Tatooine could not exist as a, habit a habitated planet. Habitable planet? Sure. Yeah. Like, there's no crate dragons could survive. There's not enough water there. Right. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that was more of a... Uh, uh, limitation of the time you've got a desert planet a jungle planet a mountain planet uh, but that's not the way things planet. work right? everything's frozen that's not the way th there's if, if Hoth existed as a planet where the hell did the breathable atmosphere come from right exactly because it would be so cold I mean it is it is inhospitable that's why they have to build shelters right, right? but they're also not dying and they're not asphyxiating outside. Right, I know what you're saying. It's it's uh it, it, it's, George is it's a certainly not, not an astrophysicist. It's certainly so. not restricted to Star Wars. I feel no. like a lot of fantasy has that problem. But you're right. I mean it, it does raise a lot of questions that there are no answers for. And ugly to borrow a criticism from of the sequel films, 
is the the quote unquote backstory of Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine as presented in the original trilogy, in which there is none. Well, there is backstory for Vader. There's backstory for Vader. We know that he was Anakin Skywalker, that he used to be a Jedi, that he and Obi-Wan were friends, that Obi-Wan taught him. That's what we know. And that he turned to evil. And then Obi-Wan lied about it to manipulate Luke to murdering his father. Right. And we know that the Emperor is the Emperor. He is a bad man. He. When did he, we learn that it was Emperor Palpatine? Yeah, they never actually say the word Palp. They never say the name Palpatine in the original trilogy. Release? I think it's from a figure release. Because I know long or, or before, a novelization. Because because I know he was Emperor Palpatine long before the the prequel films. The prequels came out. It was probably from a novelization or from a figure release because it was not in the film. Nobody calls him Palpatine Palpatine in any of the films. He's just the Emperor. My master. Like, you know, all of for all the complaining that people do about how these, you know, the See, villains are well developed enough. I, I don't think the villains, the villains by modern standards are developed well at all in the original uh, trilogy. I'm going to disagree with you on for three reasons. Okay. Uh, reason number one, I think all the information. Well, no, I'm going to disagree with you for one reason. I think you're. I don't think this is really an ugly. I think you're just taking a criticism that you think is unjustified of the modern films, and putting it on the uh, new films. But what I'm saying is, if it's an ugly for the modern films, which it appears to be for a lot of people, it should also be an ugly for the original films because there's the exact same level of justification, if not less, for these villains and their motivations. But there's a lot less studio hype that goes with it again a lot of that is not all fan driven if if we don't like the emperor was only important in so much as he was a person that vader was taking orders from his his role in the movie was very limited compared to snokes in the huh. first movie they both appear as holograms Right? No, the, does the Emperor appear at all in the first movie? No, no, he doesn't. Only only by name. Only by Tarkin dropping the Emperor. Right. So, when Snoke appears as a hologram in Force Awakens, uh, the Emperor appears as a hologram in Empire. Snoke has a lot more screen time and is more pivotal to the plot than the Empire is, than the Emperor is in Empire. Sure. Okay. Okay, so that fact alone makes his character more important. They made Snoke more important than they made the Emperor. The Emperor. And they tell us more about the Emperor in return when he becomes more important. But they don't. They don't tell you anything about him. No, no, they do tell us about him. Really? What, what do they tell him? Um, what do they tell us? They, they tell us everything we need for that point in the story. They really do. But they didn't build him up to be anything more than Darth Vader's master. But Darth Vader's master of what? Because that's the other thing that bugs me. The, all, all that we know about the Sith organization, all that we know about... No, 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 no. I don't want to hear the word Sith when we're talking about original well, no, trilogy but that, movies. But Ben, that's my point. All that we know, even about the they they do mention the Sith title in extra material uh, from around the from right, around but, the original trilogy. But, if but it's never just, mentioned in the films. But if we're just watching the films, Obi Wan explains the master and apprentice relationship. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. When. When he's talking to Luke in the beginning, he talks about becoming a Jedi apprentice. Sure. Because he talks about being a master Jedi and becoming a Jedi Knight. Before it's got to be in the first film because Obi Wan dies after that. Okay, but the Yoda but talks about the it as Emperor well. Emperor and Darth Vader are not Jedi. No, but Vader says now I have become now the um, apprentice has become the master. When Vader starts talking to the Emperor as his master. We've already heard, learned about the master-apprentice relationship. Then we can assume that Vader is the, the apprentice to the Emperor. Because we've seen that apprentice-master in Obi-Wan and Luke. Well, and then we right. saw it in Luke and Yoda. But Ben, master of what? 
what are what is he the master of? What, what do you mean? What, what is he the master of? The, they are obviously not Jedi. So what are? Why they? are they obviously not Jedi? What do you mean? They're fallen Jedi. So. Okay. Well, I just mean why? If that's why enough does for it, you, it's not enough for me. Well, how can you argue that we that that's not enough for you? At that point in the canon, but then people shouldn't be looking for more information about Snoke. Because we already, we know at least the name of their tradition. I'm not saying that I'm, I actually would like to know a lot more about what the, what the hell the Knights of Ren are supposed to be. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm defending that. I, I would right. like to know more about what that actually is, how Kylo Ren factors into that. He's been called the master of the Knights of Ren. Right. What what does that mean? And I really hope we do get that answer. And I'm 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 it's very possible that we will. But in the original trilogy, there's no explanation of the Sith. There's no explanation right. of, of their force tradition. They're just simply evil they're evil dudes. They're evil Jedi. They're not called Jedi. No, no. Nobody calls them Jedi. That if if they were Jedi, if, they have or at least if they were supposed to be, then Luke or Why? rather Obi Wan and Yoda would have said they're Jedi or something. They killed the lightsabers, uh, weapon of a Jedi Knight. But Ben, they're not. You have. As I believe, and I before we started this podcast, I should have looked it up. I believe that the term Dark Lord of the Sith was used to describe Darth Vader all the way back either from a novelization of A New Hope or from the, um, there's a, there was like a catalog, there was like a movie guide that you could purchase that had photos of every character and little descriptions. And Vader, I remember those. And Vader was meant, it was mentioned that he was a Dark Lord of the Sith. Which, but sure, they, I remember they never, learning about the Sith before the prequels were out. I, sure, I know that. But the definition, the the fleshing out of what the Sith actually are, didn't come until later. So, why did we not get at least a surface explanation of what the Sith are in these movies? So, the seventy six novelization of Star Wars. This 1976 novelization. So the, before the movie was even released. Is where they use the title Dark Lord of the Sith for there the first go. time. There we go. So it's been a part, it was a part of the lexicon since before the movie was even released. But we never in any of the three original trilogy films got any sort of explanation of the tradition that Darth Vader and the Emperor are following. They're right, not but Jedi. But they don't talk about it in the movies. So we didn't need an explanation in the movies. Oh, and they I, I do see, talk about it in the point. book, but they give an explanation of it in the book. So if you had the book to know that the Sith were a thing, you would have gotten the explanation. Okay, but that's not a defensible argument. because Why then, not? Because then I could turn around and say, well, there's a lot more explanation about this. If you read this comic book, there's no, a lot that's more explanation not what I'm about this. I'm saying this. when they use the word Dark Lord of the Sith, when they talk about the Sith, they explain what the Sith is in that same media. I'm saying if you watch the movie, you don't need to know about the Sith because they don't use the word Sith ever in the movies, so it's not relevant. I'm not saying okay, that... Okay, so what are they then? If, if you only ever watch the movies, what the hell are they? They're just dark dark Force users, dark Jedi? They, they, so I guess they just don't have a description, and that's just okay with you in that context? Well, they're evil versions of the Jedi. We know that because they go in the Cavern of Evil on Dagobah and see Darth Vader. Sure. He wields a lightsaber, which is a weapon only used by Jedi Knights. Sure. And there's context clues for that. So I, you're, you're not saying, you know, we don't, we need to know about them because it's integral to the movie. It's not like they introduce something and call it the Knights of Ren and then have the main bad guy named Kylo Ren, which is a word that's shared between the two so there's some connection there right and then they just leave us hanging about it they don't bring the sith into the movies at all because they don't explain them at all at that point okay so i i think it's i think it's a different element altogether okay i don't want to talk about this anymore <laughs> that wasn't my ugly right yeah yeah that so, was your ugly yeah ben a good please I am back on a good. Uh, alien depictions in Star Wars. 
versus a lot of other media at the time, uh, we actually have inhuman-looking aliens in Star Wars. Whereas in Star Trek, almost every alien just looks like a human with an appendage or whatever. We see Salacious Crumb. We see Max Rebo. Uh, you know, we see aliens that aren't just humanoids in makeup. Jabba the Hutt. Um, and so I think that's really good. Oh, sure. Go in that extra mile. Well, because in instead most- of the Klingons in early Star Trek being just people with... Forehead ridges. Well, they, they in early Star Trek, I don't even oh. think they had forehead ridges. And Orions just have the little antennas. Yeah. So Makeup on their face. Right? right. And Star Wars goes that extra mile to make aliens actually alien. Yeah. Not all of them. There are plenty of humanoids and near humans, but... Fair enough. Um, a bad... Uh, this is really, really nitpicking. This is really nitpicking, but that's what we have to do. Um, I think that one of my biggest unexplained mystery questions to this day has been uh, why why did Darth Vader protect Chewbacca on Cloud City? Uh, they were they were on the platform. Chewbacca's throwing people, throwing stormtroopers off, breaking out of his handcuffs, that sort of thing, and throwing a tantrum because they're putting Han into the into the carbonite chamber. <laughs> You're laughing. He is essentially throwing a tantrum, but I mean for no, for, I, for a very I, good reason. Actually, I just had a, di- a thought about something completely different. I'm sorry, oh, I didn't. I, I couldn't contain it. I was trying. Okay. Um. And Boba Fett has enough. And he raises his rifle. He's, he's just going to put down the Wookiee and end the conflict. And Darth Vader is very quick to physically lower the rifle. He doesn't say, don't do that. He, he physically intervenes and stops Boba Fett from shooting. Why? Um, because Anakin knows Chewie. I mean, we know the, that there were many battles in the Clone Wars that took place on Kashyyyk. We know that Anakin was one of the premier generals of the Clone Wars. But we don't know that in the context of the original trilogy. Touche, touche. Touche. So why a Wookiee, a a no power disintegration. A powerful creature, a man eater. A man eater who rips well, the arms well, off people. Who rips the arms off people. Uh, why? Does Darth Vader spare him in that moment? Maybe he realized that Boba Fett is inept and will miss Chewie <laughs> and not kill him. Just, and that, I don't want you to shoot Leia. Right. So That's, don't. She miss. might be my daughter. <laughs> Maybe. We still haven't quite figured that part out yet in the script. She made out with her brother earlier, so I don't know. Uh, maybe he just doesn't want Chewie ripping Boba Fett's arms off. Yeah, maybe the one shot wouldn't have killed him. I don't know. But either way, it it stands out to me. It always has as a little bit of a... As, as, as a bit of a bad. As a bit of a, a strange... He's he's evil. He's the bad guy. I, he's trying to trap Luke. But at that point in the story, Luke... He had already done his part to trap Luke. To bring Luke in. To right, try. but somebody has to tell him that Han's been captured. What do you mean by that? Somebody has to tell Luke that Han's been captured. Um, okay, but, like, Leia could do that. Well, but, again, Boba Fett... Also, he, he, he never actually knows that Han's been captured. Who doesn't? Luke. Right, I, I, I understand. He just senses his friends are in trouble, he goes to Cloud City. Right. But Vader wants him to show up. And what better way to do that than to have his friends go tell them? Because, like, are we sure Bobo was going to shoot at Chewie? I think that that is what... I mean, what else was he going to do? Shoot a stormtrooper? 3PO? (laughs) 3PO was on Chewie's back. Right. Did he have a red arm? No. Then Boba Fett recognizes him from being a child when he was a child. I don't know if he had any arms, actually, at that point. Also, um, he would not recognize him because he had silver plating back then. Oh. Plus, I don't know if Boba Fett even ever got got a good look at 3PO. Did he hear 3PO's voice <laughs> at all? 
because Anthony Daniels. <laughs> I was going to say, there's an 80% chance I would shoot at Anthony Daniels oh, if he walked goodness. in the room. Oh, jeez. I'm anyway, kidding. I'm kidding. That's my bad. I think that, that that's a little bit of a plot hole, as they say. All right, Ben, I'd say one more ugly here. One more ugly. Because we're starting to run out of bads and uglies. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff that's ugly. Like, I think the Boba Fett's entire arc to me is ugly. Or non-existent. I mean, he's got cool armor. I give you that Mandalorian armor looks badass. I'm there. Um, but everything about that story, he he gets dismissed with the uh, trash, which is where he belongs. <laughs> Follows the Falcon for a while. He wasn't dismissed. That was his plan. Right, to hide with the trash where nobody would expect him because that's where he belongs. Um, you know, you, uh, you see that. He does what? what? What does he do? Nothing. And then he goes into the Sarlacc pit, which is an impossible animal that couldn't exist. I mean, Boba Fett just kind of sucks. Um, and I really want to shit all over Boba Fett, so I'm going to waste my ugly to shit on Boba wow. Fett. Wow, okay. That's, that's fine. I think that Boba Fett in Empire is cool. Boba Fett in Return of the Jedi, obviously a very... Very throwaway villain that I, dies in a stupid outside way. Outside the holiday special, Boba Fett is useless. Wow, you won't even you won't even give him that. Okay. Nope. All right. Well, Ben, I think that that's going to wrap up this edition of Good, Bad, Ugly. Then. All right, Zach. Okay, we're done. Man, I feel like I feel like I was grasping for straws that just weren't there. No, yeah, this, they're, they're this there. Is the you most just don't want to shit on that movie. I, I know. I don't want to shit on any of these movies. Okay, I'll say your sign-off so we can talk to Beth. I'll shit on Return of the Jedi, though. I will. Say your sign-off <laughs> okay, so we can talk to right. Beth. Thank you for listening. Ben, may the Force be with you. And also with you, Zach. This has been a Galactic Netcast production. For more, go to GNCast.com.